Well, good morning and welcome to the Church Office podcast. Uh, my name is Gavin Smith and it's a joy to welcome you today. If you're watching via video or you've been on our website, then thanks for thanks for listening in to this really important topic today. And I'm absolutely thrilled to have Justin Humphreys with us from uh, 31A and the, the CEO and your head of uh, development and safeguarding. Mate, thanks for taking the time to, to join us today. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Gavin. It's great. Justin, we're, I'm keen. We've got a bunch of people listening to the podcast who are from churches, working in the background, uh, church administrators, operations directors, trustees. Um, and so really, really important to connect with a service like yourselves and safeguarding is, you know, the, it's, it's moved up the agenda so much for churches. And I know lots of people are, are doing lots of things. So we want to cover that topic today and sort of encourage people in it and advise people and I guess signpost people into different resources that are available to strengthen them. So, Justin, before we kick off, tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement in 31A. And because you've been you've been a pastor before, so you've got so much helpful context, which is going to be great for our listeners. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so I'm um, uh, I'm married. Uh, I have three adult children now, which is very scary. Don't quite feel old <laughs> enough. But that's what it is. Um, I have been a Christian since my early teens. I was brought up in a in a Christian family, uh, so always been a part of a church family somewhere. Um, and uh, I, I guess my um, my my career or my vocation, my calling, has really been shaped out of a whole range of different experiences circumstances in life combined with a really clear call back in in my early 20s to um to be uh, a part of this voice for the voiceless um so i found myself early on in a career in social work with children and families uh, worked in local authority settings uh, for some years, then moved into voluntary sector, uh, worked yeah. with um, Action for Children. Um, and then uh, 12 years ago, um, joined what was at the time CCPAS, the Church's Child Protection Advisory Service, yeah. um, latterly known, of course, as 318. Um, so uh, and 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 through through that also um, you know being involved directly in leading youth work activities uh, and then becoming uh, an assistant pastor in a in a thriving um, city church context uh, for a period of time. So yeah, you're right. Um, I've I've been there. I've seen some of it. Uh, I, I I know um, the the stresses, the strains, the challenges of of um, of what it is to be in local church ministry. So yeah, I mean, grateful for all of that. Yeah, that's great. It's, 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 it's so helpful to have that kind of church background as well. You, you've lived in it, haven't you, and the conversations that happen in the background and yeah. the training and all the, all the things that we, we want to cover today. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the service then. So if someone's not heard of 31A, tell us a bit about your, your involvement in it, what, what they do as a service to, to churches and, and the wider kind of Christian community really, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, firstly, perhaps really important to say uh, 31.8 is a Christian charity. Yeah. Um, we, as our name suggests, 31.8 is actually taken from Proverbs 31 verse 8, 
um, which says, um, speak out on behalf of the voiceless and for the rights of all who are vulnerable. So that underpins everything that we do and everything that we are uh, fundamentally. Um, so as a charity, we are we are a membership based organization. So we're working within excess of 10,000 organizations. Um, probably, I'd, I'd say 60% of those churches, the remaining 40% are um, charities often connected closely associated with churches. Yeah. Um, and we provide a range of support to to those those settings to help them create and maintain safer environments um, so our, our mission is to encourage empower and equip and equip those settings um, so whatever safer places looks like for those different settings you know our our job our our mission in a sense is to get alongside and to support that effort um, so whether that's through the training that we provide, uh, and we've, we've provided training to, or we do provide training to literally thousands of people every year, um, whether it is our helpline, which is a, a, an open, freely accessible helpline to, to anybody to, to call, um, whether it's our DBS service, which many will know, we are yeah. um, the largest DBS umbrella service um, serving the faith sector, as as it's described by um, the disclosure and barring service, um, or things like our consultancy work, which which, um, which enables us to get alongside uh, churches, charities, NGOs, to to work with some of the more complex issues. So things like audit and review, risk assessments, um, that sort of thing, and then latterly. Um, you know, being involved in research activity and parliamentary engagement, you know, trying to be yeah. at the forefront of representing the church um, and the Christian community more broadly in terms of its opportunities to, to work in a, in, in a safeguarding environment and also some of the challenges around that. Yeah. You know, so really broad, uh, really exciting and really necessary. And yeah, I guess yeah. the one thing that I would probably say, Gavin, is that, you know, people's initial thought might be, oh, my goodness, um, safeguarding, what, what, a, um, what a dreadful or, or challenging thing to be doing, you know, always looking at, at the dark side of stuff and uh, when the wheel comes off and responding to crises. And there is an element of that. Yeah, yeah. But actually, equally, working with churches um, to create the environments which are safer which are healthier which do um, contribute towards the growth and flourishing of all people is just such a tremendous privilege yeah yeah it's so important isn't it yeah i think um when when i try and engage our church in the topic of safeguarding everyone kind of slumps in their chair and thinks oh no do I have to attend this training once a year and and, and we've always tried to encourage people and say you have to connect something like a, a safeguarding policy to the gospel you know yeah. churches love the gospel we're about the gospel and if you want to reach the next generation with the gospel if you want uh -huh. to reach those who are, are far away uh, marginalized then then the gospel is is necessary and this policy is necessary mm -hmm. and that's the means and how you can share the gospel in a safe yeah. environment so it, it's kind of just reordering those isn't it and, and making those connections to the practical to the gospel and saying you know 
see this as important and and i i think that motivates people we we found that motivate people to say actually this isn't just ticking the boxes there's so yeah. much more going on here you, you're so you're so right gavin and i think you know um, the, the more we are um getting alongside churches and, and christian organizations that is the case you know we're we're in conversation around you know safeguarding okay maybe may the language that we use today you know it may be the, the in terminology you know next year it may be something else but mm. fundamentally you know the, the the principle and the um the mandate for us all as as gospel focused christians yeah. is um is that we are um we are about caring for people you know that we are about sharing the love of christ with people yes. so safeguarding is not an add-on it's an absolutely integral yeah. fundamental part of the outworking of our faith and yeah. and for some people that's a light bulb moment and for yeah. other people it's yeah. a, well no of course it is yeah yeah and it's going to be mixed across the board isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. And how people deal with it locally churches yeah no it's good and um, tell us a little bit about you know you're working with with 10,000 different organizations you know 60% of churches which is which is great have you seen churches accelerate to be doing more and more and getting on board with this is that is that a trend that you've seen over the last 10 years yeah very much so um i mean the the landscape for church has changed almost beyond recognition mm. hasn't it in 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 this 10 year period and i think particularly um having gone through uh, periods of extended lockdown and restrictions as a result of, of COVID-19 has forced the church to almost reinvent the way that it engages with, with, with community. Um, and I think that particularly has, has brought some, some new challenges to us all, actually. Yeah. So, you know, the advent of um, online hybrid ways of, of, of doing church have meant that we've had to think more carefully around well okay how do we how do we create that as a safer environment for people to engage how do we um, avoid or do our best to avoid um, losing sight of people mm -hmm. uh, particularly those who might have uh, particular vulnerabilities but frankly for all people yeah. So, yeah, over the last 10 years and maybe accelerated by recent events, there has been a real shift. Um, yeah. And I think that there's probably a whole variety of reasons for that. So some of it is about people acknowledging um, what we've just said, which is actually th this, this is part and parcel of who we are and what we do. And, and part of it is actually about the fact that there, there has been greater attention i think given to the to the subject to to abuse and to harm and to how actually no section of society is immune um or, or separated yeah. from it and the reality that these things can and do happen in the context of church i think has has meant that people have have had to think about it more seriously and more carefully so yeah we, we've seen huge change yeah, no, it, it really has. And uh, one of the conversations we started off here with our safeguarding thing coming back from the pandemic is actually that the people that you you thought you needed to safeguard may have changed as, mm. as people come out of it. So people are experiencing uh, mental health challenges in, mm. in new ways that, that you would never have expected them to yeah. 
uh, to be to be you know you know dealing with now and yeah. that does put some people in a vulnerable category which means that we have to reassess how we how we care for people when they come yeah. on sunday and in the midweek and and you're right so all of these things are going on for churches and leaders aren't they in the... yeah they, they really are and i think you know <laughs> particularly for, for for your your audience on on this podcast you know th think thinking through what that means you know constantly keep keeping on our toes uh, around those those key issues is part of what we try to do at 318 to to be to be that place of support that means that actually you're you're not on your own yeah. um that there are people that, that that are able to walk alongside you to help you think through some of those things to operationalize some of those those new things that you might be doing in church but i think one of the things that that we're finding increasingly that overlays much of what we do is that whilst we have to be attentive to those people who who might seem obviously to us to be vulnerable actually one of the things that this pandemic has done i think has has brought to mind that actually we all can be vulnerable yes, at yes. different points and actually that there's a there's a sense in which sometimes using the terminology of vulnerable or vulnerability doesn't always help us because it it, it means that we sometimes forget that we all have um, diminished capacity at different stages in life. You know, vulnerability can be long-term and enduring, but it can also be transient caused by just the stresses and the strains of everyday life. Yeah. You know, so what does that mean for us in terms of how we create safer places for people? Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, excellent, yeah. Um, in terms of advice for, for churches coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, I guess encouraging people to review their policies and, and practices. Right. Have you have you guys had much thinking on on how to encourage churches to do that and advise churches to do that? Yeah, I think uh, firstly, what what I'd probably say is that um, policies and procedures and training uh, and um, what we'd call vetting and checking, you know, on on safer recruitment onboarding processes, they're all really important factors uh, that that we have to be attentive to. Um, but the extent to which they are successful in helping us to, to achieve safer environments um, is very much dependent on the cultures that, that we create. So we talk um, a lot about um, the culture hopefully being the fertile ground within which we plant those things, the policy, the procedure. Um, it's important that we have them, that people understand, that, that they know that they're there and that they understand what yeah. they mean in terms of their outworking. Um, but also that, that we know that the culture that we've created um, is itself focused towards what's safe what's healthy, what encourages growth and flourishing. Because actually, if the, if the cultures aren't what we need them to be, or what sometimes, sadly, we suspect them to be and discover they're not actually after the event, then, then we, we've got a bit of a disconnect. So what we, we, we are saying currently is, yes, spend time reviewing those, focusing those down, honing them to, to, um, to, to adapt to how we see church operating now um but don't forget that actually there's a wider piece for us all to do as leaders in church context to think about what the culture is so 
Um, how are we communicating the messages of safer places? Is it something which we are regularly doing? Is there visibility around that? Are, are we actually, are we bringing that into our sermons, our, our addresses? You know, what it actually means to be the hands and feet of Jesus and, and what that looks like when we model ourselves on him. Yeah. How are we listening to people that have all sorts of experiences, some good, some not so good, and some just dreadfully bad? Yeah. And how are we integrating that into thinking about the ways that we do things and, and, and how we outwork that in policy and procedure and, and a whole range of other stuff, you know, going through to things like, you know, what our structures, are, are they fit for purpose? Do they actually serve the mission and the ministry rather than serving the people um, yeah, yeah, who yeah. set them up? Um, are, are the power dynamics that, that, that are inherent in every setting um, monitored and managed in a way that actually empowers everybody else rather than necessarily um potentially um creating unhelpful um power imbalances you know, there's a whole yeah, range of stuff yeah, that we would say is part yeah, of yeah. culture that underpins the policy and the procedure piece yeah yeah the culture conversation is is so so important isn't it because you've got so many different partners in that as well haven't you? you've got yeah. you've got trustees who are operating at you know maybe a policy level you, you might have ministry leaders who you know, will interact with it, but it's not at the forefront of what they're they're thinking about every time. Yes. Uh, and yeah. you've got you've got church administrators who are helping in the application of it and and yeah. you know communicating it to volunteers and, and ensuring that you know those procedures are followed. So you've got yeah. all these different people of you to to try and all participate in building the kind of culture that that creates that safe place. And 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 that is the hard and frustrating part of of you know can be for different people within that that organization, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we will always say you know, in, in safeguarding terms, if you feel like you're on your own trying to land and embed some of this stuff or, or, or deal with difficult stuff, then actually something's gone wrong because yeah, this right. really is a team yeah. effort. And as you've, yeah. you've um, really um, pointed out well, we all might have a slightly different role to play in it, but they're all equally important to, to making sure that the, the, the culture and the environment is what we hope it to be. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. And and one of the things I noticed on your website, which just one one first signpost is that you offer some training for for trustees yes. on what is their responsibility. And and I think that's a that's a great place to start, isn't it? In, in terms of review, getting our trustees talking about this, getting our trustees yeah. reviewing our policies. Are we? Is everyone happy with what we have in place? And mm, mm, and I guess mm. we'd encourage listeners to to you know maybe make that those first steps of. Of just a review just a conversation let's get it on the agenda again yeah. as we yeah. re kind of regather back together after the pandemic so yeah yeah absolutely and and you know i think having um safeguarding maybe as a standing item on um trustee board meetings um you know having actually designated uh, a a trustee who might take a lead on the area of safeguarding or or yes. or, or, or safer places generally um, that's not to say that that person would would carry sole responsibility, but it might be that person's um, role to to say in any conversation at a board yeah. or governance level, have we actually fully thought through the safeguarding yes. implications of what we're proposing? You know that kind of of, of yeah. scenario. Um, th that is so so important. Um, 
and we we would encourage all all um, all settings to to adopt that as a model, you know, to make sure that it becomes part of the way that we live and breathe, you know, becomes part of our DNA rather yeah, yeah. than just a bit of a tick box bureaucratic kind of yeah, we do it because we've got to. You know? Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, totally agree. Yeah, it's it's really useful, and um, yeah. So if you're a trustee listening to this, then please, <coughs> excuse me, yeah, please check out the. Uh, the the 318 website and look at some of those things and uh, one of the things that we've benefited from as a church from your service has been that the model policy stuff so mm. you, you know you, you might get it on the agenda for the trustees but you know what policies can you use and sharing policies mm. across organizations but but actually to to become a member of yourselves to be able to access up-to-date policies yep. you offer that and, and that is superb and we, we are grateful for all that you guys do on that yeah, thank you. Uh, I mean, you know, we, as I said right at the beginning, we are a, we are a member-based, member-focused organisation. So our core offer is around that membership piece. You know, being a part of a larger community of people who hopefully are are seeking to create safer places. Um, you know, part of that is about how we we equip you. So the the policy templates. The, the guidance documents that we make available, the the updates on I don't know wh- wh- whether it might be law or or good practice or whatever it is that that we will push out to to all our members to say just so that you know this is how the landscape's changing. These are some of the things that you might want to think about. So even thinking about um, you know how we've uh, sought to to assist and guide churches to respond through the COVID nineteen pandemic through to even more recently how, how we might as churches um seek to respond safely to uh, the refugee crisis with um yeah. you know the, the syrian um uh, refugees the afghan refugees the hong kongers arriving and, and latterly the ukrainian refugees mm. you know isn't this where the church ought to be and if this is where the church is then our job is to do our very best to help you engage in that context so yeah the the policy templates the guidance um that's all part and parcel of what we would provide to all our members yeah yeah and and the membership fee is you know it's just appropriate it's it's affordable you know it's it's so important and and i would recommend everyone and we've hugely benefited from it and and you know the stuff that we're talking about here is is the culture being proactive having the policies having teams of people that are thinking about this but you referenced earlier about the telephone helpline and, and yeah. we've called it a number of times and when you hit a crisis and you do suddenly feel like you're on your own because yeah. Yeah. everyone is scared about the responsibility the response yeah. what to say how to say yeah. it yeah. Um, and and the crisis stuff that you guys offer on the helpline and then the you know the consultancy the experts that are behind you know behind the scenes it's so so important isn't it and, and what you guys are doing that is really serving churches i think yeah thank you uh, and you know we are so blessed to have such a great team that provide that service so you know all, all our team you know come with a combination of um professional um experience in some safeguarding field um many of them are are active in that space also within their own local churches so again they 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 get it Mm -hmm. um and they are such a dedicated passionate and committed team um because we know what it's like 
to be faced with these situations, you know, and I think fortunately for most of us, um, it's not every day that we're faced with these sorts of challenges. So when they come, we fully understand that 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 can be nerve wracking, that, you know, we we just want to do our very best. Um, So just having somebody that you can pick up the phone to and speak with to say, look, this is what we've got kicking off. Um, we, we think this is how we ought to deal with it. What do you think? You know, what, what, what would you say that, that we should do? And many, many of the calls um, that, that we receive, and we receive hundreds every week, um, are from people who do have a sense of what they need to do, which is great because that says to us, actually, you know, you, you do have a sense of your policy, your procedure, and what it looks like to create a safer yeah. environment. But you just want the confidence of speaking with someone else to confirm for you that what you're thinking is right. And that, that's so, so helpful, isn't it? That confidence is, is so right. And, mm-hmm. and, and for many who are listening to the podcast who are serving behind the scenes, they are assisting trustees in, in some of the next stage decisions. And, yeah. and, and to be able to give advice that's, that's you know, sought after from yourselves, that, that goes, yeah, this is, this is, we're all in agreement. This is the best way to go ahead. Yeah. And there's just wisdom, isn't there, from, from, from outside and from within. And you're right, it, it just enables the process but the people behind the process benefit hugely from it, don't they? Mm. The, you know, we know of people where mistakes have been made or the wrong information has been given or there's a sense of judgment. It could, you know, loads of different things here. Mm. Um, but, yeah, to have that collective, to have that voice, to be able to stop and go, let's ring 318, let's get their perspective. And yeah. it's, it's, it's almost instant. It's, it's available straight away. You know, yeah. you guys will come back if you need to with advice, and yeah. um, and and it's great. I, I, and we know how important it is, also, um, af- after the call is made, um, for um, for trustees, for leaders, for um, you know workers at the at the, at the front um, the front face of it to have a record of that conversation so so what, what we will do for those that, that that call the helpline is we will um create a record on our secure system that that identifies what it was that that you called about um and then we will also record what our advice was and that then gets securely sent to to you so you have that as a permanent record you know so i think some of these um situations sadly that we deal with they they, they are complicated they are complex Mm. they involve people in 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 a variety of different ways so it's really important isn't it that that we um we have the confidence let's say in a week or a month or even six months time of being able to go back to that and say just refresh our memories okay what what was it that we said and what was the advice that was received you know because actually in the cut and thrust of some of the most difficult situations memory fades um so we know how important that is yeah great no that's that's so helpful and a couple of practical things and on your your dbs checks and and you you know we we use that and and it's great and i know that you've you've not passed on some of the costs this year of you know all of these things and and you know for churches that that's that's great and helpful and what's the advice for um how often somebody should be checked in a kind of voluntary capacity that's working with with children and young people and you know i've known some trustees say you know five years is fine three years is fine 
Um, you know, there's different people that pull these numbers out of the hat and, and, and there isn't necessarily some legal advice on it. Um, what, what, what are you guys recommending for, for a very practical thing like that for a church? Okay, well, I mean, firstly to say you're, you're absolutely right, um, Gavin, that, that there, is, there is nothing enshrined in law uh, around that. Um, so a good practice in our view is that the DBS checks should be reviewed on a three yearly um, cycle. Yeah. Um, you're right. And s some will operate to, to five years. Um, our view is that, that three really is, is where we should pitch it. And the reason that we say that is because the world moves on so quickly. Um, so not only do um, the, the, the expectations that we might have of, of different team members change, the ways in which we, um, we uh, deliver different forms of support and ministry, uh, they change as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and frankly, a DBS check is only essentially valid the day it's issued. It says yeah. on this day in time, the criminal record says this. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, a snapshot, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that is all it is, which, you know, which, which is why I think it's important to, to, to remember that DBS is part of a, a broader, safer recruitment, recruitment process. Yeah. And the other elements are, are of equal importance. But going back to the D, DBS refresh, three years, really, we kind of think that beyond that, you're, you're inviting unnecessary risk, actually. Um, so that's what we would suggest. Uh, and of course, that's not to say that if somebody moves from one role to another, another and, 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 and the role that they've moved to is sufficiently different from the one they've come from, that that in itself shouldn't trigger the need yeah. for a dbs check so let's yeah. say um a person moves from um a, a ministry role focused on children and young people and and they move towards providing you know some kind of pastoral care to to older people yeah that's a completely different kettle of fish yeah. Yeah. you know so that in itself should trigger a, a new check if if indeed the role that they're moving to meets eligibility for that yeah. and again our team, so our, our disclosure helpline, which is separate to our safeguarding helpline, they are always there to help answer those questions. You know, is eligibility met? What's the best way for us to go about doing this? Should, should we seek another check in this scenario that we're looking at? That's what they're there for. So, you know, make use of them. Make use of that as well. Yeah, absolutely right. And and the, the recruitment side of volunteers is something that that churches do a lot, isn't it? You know, and DBS as we're talking is just one one element of it. Right. And and some people will tie, you know, the ability to serve in a church um, to a membership. And and I think the the more churches I've spoken to, um, there seems to be less emphasis on members uh, only serving, and there right, is a, right. a, a wider door open for for people to get involved. So yeah. I feel like there's a bit of change there, and I don't know if you've, you've got any thoughts on that and how churches should think through those issues. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, we're seeing that shift too, um, that actually um, belonging, you know, we talk often about belonging, don't we, and how that links to, to believing and, and, and becoming and all of that. Yeah. Um, the extent to which we um, 
we have our doors open to everyone because of course we want everyone to to experience the the love of god and to to be part of something which um you know sees that um living and breathing every day if then we're going to be asking those people to or 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 even um considering those people being active in certain roles um we may be in a situation where because those people maybe aren't members as we might have seen it back in time that we we do need to think carefully well okay you know how long have these people been around what do we know about them and what is their motivation to to be active in their service within the context of church so all of those things do have to be thought about carefully mm-hmm. and, you know we would as you know as a general rule we would suggest you know however you operate whether you have a membership or not um you really need to afford yourself time to 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 get to know people a little bit so you know six months in to get a sense of where they feel they fit where they feel they might be um active or can contribute where might they bring their skills knowledge and experience but also what's your sense of them Mm. you know um it's again about in not wanting to invite unnecessary risk and i think the reality is that whilst the vast majority of people are well-intentioned and motivated for all the right reasons there is a minority yeah who aren't yeah. Yeah. and therefore we 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 must bear that in mind so um the way that that i've described this um, more recently is that we we operate with a sense of compassionate curiosity yeah yeah that's a good way of putting it isn't it yeah yeah you know so we're, yeah. we're we're not looking under every stone around every corner for someone who who may be intent on causing harm to people but we are open to the possibility that those people do exist and that we yeah. may find them in the context of our church so what do we need to do about that yeah yeah that's really helpful isn't it and and and, and even not having necessarily a membership but having uh, you know, an application form, having yeah. an informal interview, you know, talking yeah. about people's gifting and where they'd yeah. like to serve the church, where they feel like God's equipped them to do that. Yeah. You know, all yeah. these conversations add to that confidence, doesn't it, to reducing the risk of, you know, putting somebody into a role yeah. and then being able to go and review that role as well. Yeah. Review it with the person. And support Definitely, them. you know, and I think often we, we kind of take the, oh, you know, job descriptions and interviews and, you know, really not sure about how that really fits with, with yeah. church Churches. or our, yeah, our yeah. church, you know. Um, but actually it's in these kind of contexts that they really come into their own. So, you know, job descriptions, um, you know, as, as a framework, they, they need to be appropriate for the context interviews need to be appropriate for the context it it could range you know an interview could range you know from anything from a a relatively light touch casual discussion over a coffee to a full-on you know across the table type interview depending on the role and and you know all the rest of it but if you know going back to job descriptions for a moment if you don't at least have something that you can give to people that says this is what we believe the role the task or the job is how do we know whether whether people are capable of fulfilling it? How do they know whether they're capable of fulfilling yeah. our expectations? You know, it's kind yeah. of fairly basic, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Some role description and some support to do it is yeah, so, so important. Yeah. yeah really, really helpful. Let me let me fire another question at you. Um, after church is 
fellowship time mm. kids are running around you know even in our church i think people are a little bit naive to the fact that they become very familiar with the building mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're not making the connection that it's an open door policy that you know we live in a broken world and, and anyone mm -hmm. can, can wander in and it probably goes back to culture but but how do we encourage churches to to think about that time as safeguarding because because often it can go into you know the opportunity for something to go wrong in a classroom setting for 45 minutes on a sunday school or a youth you know night uh -huh. there seems to be greater risk in these kind of outside hanging out times before and after service yeah and what what are your thoughts on how churches can can think about that area and and be better equipped and, and better uh, okay. place to serve people i think what I'd, I'd start off with saying is that you know let, let, let's not fall into the possible trap of expecting things to go wrong yeah yeah that's um, good but but let's be open to the possibility you know the reality is that sometimes things do go wrong um, and I think the example that you shared there is, is, is a classic one that, that is probably faced by the majority of churches um, yeah. as, as we understand them today. Um, so part of it is about um, the, the way that we communicate our intentions around creating a safer place. So um, linked again to the policy piece that we talked about before, um, who needs to know that that policy exists? Who needs to know that there's a commitment from trustees, leadership and, and wherever else to say our, our intention and our desire is to create a safer environment. And here, this is what that looks like. Yeah. So your role, whether you have a defined um, position or role or whether you are a member, an attendee, a visitor, a parent, a carer, a young person, you know, we all have a role to play yeah, yeah in in, in in trying to create that safer environment so that means that along with that that compassionate curiosity that we're all alert to the possibility that we all do our part to make sure that the person next to us is okay yeah. um that we are attentive to not creating um unnecessary holes in the net that enable those people who might be so minded to slip through. Mm -hmm. But also alongside that, what I'd say is that, you know, creating a culture where it's okay to bring polite, respectful, um, constructive challenge to some of the things that we might see and hear. Yes. Um, you say, I I'm not entirely comfortable with that or just just explain to me what what why did you word that like that or why did you do that in the way that you did it you know i think that's all good that's yeah. healthy um and i think that we should be um giving permission to our congregations to to have that level of engagement with us so that they can truly become a part of creating and maintaining that safer place yeah yeah i think that's really helpful yeah, it does go back to the culture question, doesn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and living in community and what that looks like to, to serve one another, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And, and to see other kids, you know, you, you may need to step in and, and, and help another family in the church yeah. um, where their child's run off and, and you're, you're aware of it and, and you're going to seek to protect them and care for them. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's good, isn't it? And, and I think just having churches having conversations like this 
enables you to think of the ways that you can improve and contribute to the culture to yeah. making Sunday morning or when the church gathers that that yeah. safe place together. So yeah, that's that's really helpful. And um, can I ask you a question about young people serving? And and as as a church, we've been working through this for for the last couple of years. Mm. And initially, our trustees took a position to say, you know, we don't want anyone under sixteen serving other kids in the kind of Sunday school ministry uh-huh. or in other areas of the church. So we've kind of had this kind of generation that's gone through that they've got to 18 and they've never really served in the church because of this, this potential fear of other children abusing other children. And, and that, that there was, a, I guess, a stage when that was growing and that was uh-huh. maybe the uh-huh. awareness of that was growing. Uh-huh. Um, and we've been trying to readdress that and think about, actually there's a way that we can do this maybe kids serving with their parents in a classroom situation uh, we've been trying to come up with different ways uh, of how you know maybe someone who's 15 16 maybe it's appropriate to serve without a parent right. and we've been introducing things like code of conduct and training and stuff like that have you got any any thoughts of or you know good practice that you're aware of where where churches have found a really good clear way through this whole area of young people serving children and sure all those areas any clear way through (laughs) (laughs) just reflecting on that for a moment yeah it's not (laughs) easy is it no 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 not not at all but yeah some of the things that you've described are are, um are what what we would suggest you you perhaps look at um it's really important isn't it that we we create environments um which enable people to to grow and to flourish in in their gifting um you know i mean i I think back to my own situation you know um at a relatively young age i was in that in that position so i remember you know i was um given the opportunity to um to take on a role with young people alongside the adult leaders of that of that ministry area And over a period of two, three, four years, you know, then get to a position where, you know, I was able then to be, you know, fully a leader myself in in those environments. So being given that space to grow, to explore um, in a safe way was absolutely critical to my own formation and development Mm -hmm. as a young Christian. Um, So, you know, and isn't that what, in part church yeah. is all about yeah. Um, yeah, developing so cr- people yeah yeah cr- so creating those, those opportunities is so important but i think the, the point that you make around you know well, when, when is it impo- um when is it appropriate to let's say fully release somebody into a leadership role um now look for a whole range of reasons the general view that we would take is that it is not reasonable and or fair and sometimes even safe to to release uh, a a person into a position of full responsibility until they are of an age where where they can manage that so we would actually say that that any young person who hasn't reached the age of 18 should always be um active alongside an adult leader who can take full responsibility for whatever is taking place because it just isn't fair to place that level of responsibility on another child, you know, and without even getting into all the the the, the nuances of of you know relational <laughs> dynamics between one young person yeah. and another yeah. and all of that, you know, yeah. Um, 
but actually um, coaching them, mentoring them, supporting them in that direction because you, let's say, see a gift mm-hmm. um, in, in someone that, that just needs to be fanned into flame. This is just the, you know, the, 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 one of the many beautiful elements of what it means to be in Christian community, isn't it? Yeah, it but we've got to do it safely. Yeah, absolutely right. And I, I think it's, um, yeah, I, I've met lots of churches who, who would take kind of e- easy line saying, no, no one under 16 can serve. And, and, and that's how they, they manage it. It's great. But yeah. they do miss out, I think, on, on developing young, young Christians. And, yeah. and, and there is love there. And there is a way to, to protect the young people who are under 16 serving in a voluntary way or assisting a leader in yeah. the context of a, of a kids ministry class and and yeah. that that can happen and absolutely and, um, and some wisdom in how it, how you apply it and how you work through it but but just but just to challenge church and say rethink about this if, if you've you know young people i think you know we want to see them engage after the pandemic and and there's there's new enthusiasm and and i want to get behind that and say how yeah. can i enable yeah. young people to yeah. feel like they're part of the community they're contributing in a way yeah. But at the same time, you know, protecting them and ensuring that we, you, as you said, don't put on the responsibility on them that's too great and shouldn't yeah. be placed upon them. So I think that's right. You know, and in, and in a multitude of, of different um, church settings, contexts, traditions, expressions, service can look quite different, mm. can't mm. it? You know, so um, why why would we not want young people to be active in service if that's what they believe is the way they they want to express their emerging growing faith Um, and and there there is an overlap but also a distinct difference I think between service in in many um, different forms and leadership slash responsibility you know so for me I think that the leadership slash responsibility piece um, requires some deeper thinking when we get to that point you know how do we define that Mm. where are the boundaries between one and the other and are we confident that we can actually transition a young person from one to the other safely yeah yeah and and that's got to be done on an individual basis as well as isn't it yeah yeah and and gifting basis as well so yeah that's that's really really useful and you, we've, you've covered so many different parts of so is there anything that we've 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 not covered that you think you know point points you know church leaders or, or church administrators here to to one of the things that you service um i th- there's a couple of things perhaps you know and, and and part of this is about um again communicating the broad message as as far as as we possibly can yeah, um yeah. and and that is about um so we, we have something called the Safer Places Pledge, yeah. which is for trustees and leaders to, um, to, in a sense, sign up to. And there are six elements within that Safer Places Pledge, which just essentially helps, helps the church or a context to say, look, th- th- this, is, this is part and parcel of what we do here. There are, there are ways in which we operate, which mean that we are committing to creating a safer environment here. Yeah. You know, and I think it's a really simple and easy way for, for a church leadership or trustee board to, to say to the wider congregation or people that are, that are engaged um, with the things that you do to say, you know, th- th- this is the direction of travel for us. Mm-hmm. So I'd encourage people to, to, to perhaps jump onto our website and, and look for um, 
the safer places pledge so if you just drop it into the, the search bar um, which we've improved in recent times and it works so much better than it did before um so perhaps just put in pledge or, or something in it and it will take you there the the other thing which which might be helpful for some of your your uh, listeners and watchers to know about is um safeguarding sunday okay so safeguarding sunday is something which we've been involved in facilitating each year for the past four years this year it's the 20th of november Great. and it's an opportunity for churches of all traditions and expressions to, to come together if they can on the same day to be committing to um, creating safer places to celebrating what that means for us as church to to, yeah. to to dig into why it's important but also to honor and champion the people who have particular roles in that area and to say look we know that this can be challenging and difficult but we're behind you. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we, we want to pray for you. We, we want to um, honor you for what you do. Um, and that is another way of um, actually some of the feedback that we've had around the conversations that that's generated in different church contexts for, for, for people in all sorts of roles and, and just people attending has been incredible. So last year, over 2000 churches um, signed up as a part of that. Really? And I just encourage you perhaps to think about that. Is that something you can engage in to help you embed some of yes. these key messages? Yeah, and to yeah to have those conversations of culture. Yeah, I think that sounds yeah. great. And um, I mean, one of the things that I often go back to on your website is you know that, that you're you've got these ten standards, which mm -hmm. I, I think are helpful. You know, they cover whole things of you know governance, culture, some of the things we've yeah. been talking about, practice. So worth going on and having a look at that, and, and that will help you review some of the um, the things on in your policy, your practices, and your culture, and to think about right, what have we, what else can we do to to contribute to making this a safer place for everyone. So th those are great. Y you've also got things like posters on your website. You've got training links. I mean, you can sign up to training straight away in different regions and different areas. So um, again, it's worth checking out the resources that you've got available. Have you got any, where would you pinpoint us to go to any particular resources that you think are helpful? Um. That's really difficult for me to say because I, I'm going to know well, if I mention that and I don't mention that. But, you know, <laughs> Someone's um, going to tell you off in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think just perhaps just for people to head to the website, which is 318.org. Yeah. So 318 spelt out, um, no numbers, .org. And, and just just have a, a, a route around and see what you yeah, can yeah. find. Hopefully it's it's intuitively laid out. So you'll see that the, the training offer, you'll see the membership offer, you'll see some of the things around um, DBS. Um, but hopefully just having a bit of a route around will give you a feel for you know who we are um, and why this means so much to us. And, and, and hopefully you'll you'll then get a sense of how we might be able to support you if, if you're not engaged or a member with us already um so you know and, and then just pick up the phone and speak to the team because they're a really friendly bunch yeah yeah they are they are and that's great yeah and, and definitely i'll put i'll put the link on the on the socials and, and people will 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 check that out and i think that's um that's great and there's there's so much helpful advice and training out there with you guys and we i just want to say thank you on behalf of you know the churches that i know that that use you guys and you know it's made a huge difference and and you're right you're able to operate with that more confidence because you know you've had some advice you've got experts you've got people who understand the context and will be able to support you so 
So thanks for the difference that you guys are making. It really is uh, superb. It's our pleasure. Thank you very much. It's, it's great to get the feedback. I'll, I'll take it back to the team. They'll be they'll be delighted. Thank you. Uh, it's great. And just one thing that springs to mind: if if you're listening to the podcast, and as as Justin and I've been chatting, you you feel like you're on, on your own in this, um, and you, you feel like it's an uphill battle, um, please please get in contact. We we don't want people to be isolated on this issue. Please come and you know have a chat to the church office, have a chat to the guys at thirty one eight. Um, you know, pr- pray and ask for God to provide somebody in your church to help support you in this. Right, right. And, and I, I think I've sat with some leaders and they said, we've got no one to, to manage this area. But, you know, God provides people for his church wonderfully. And sometimes we're just looking in the wrong area or we haven't looked broad enough. And, and God's blessed us. We've got people in, in backgrounds of social care like yourselves, youth work, police officers, right, right. school teachers people that deal with this kind of stuff each day so so look and and draw a gather a team around if you do feel like you're on your own mm. and begin those conversations so um yeah is, is anything you'd add to that no i i, I just agree uh, wholeheartedly gavin with, with that um and just to perhaps remind your listeners and watchers um our helpline is freely open to anybody yeah. You don't have to be a member with 318. It's one of the things that, that we that we do um, uh, that, that doesn't cost. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if ever there are any, any questions, any queries, you know, it's not just about when things have gone wrong. It's also about, you know, what advice have you got for us in setting this thing up or where might yes. we look for this, that or the other? That's what we are there for. So please, please make use of us because, as you've said, if people feel that they are on their own, um, they're not. Yeah. We and others are there, you know, so reach out. Um, we're, we're in it together. That's brilliant. So helpful. So, yeah, thank you guys for, for providing that for your chance. Mate, thank you so much for your time. It's, it's been Pleasure. lovely to, to chat to you and, you know, learn from you. And, and it's, it's great to be able to put this on. To, to serve our listeners particularly in this area so lots to follow up please check out our website for resources and the conversations uh, if you've got any questions that you'd like to ask justin or others and and you'd like to get in contact with us and please do that at questions at the church uh, please check out the 318 website it'll be on our social media and you can look at the link check out their resources check out their advice and please sign up to become a member of their organization we've benefited hugely from it and so we would recommend that to you and to all our listeners mate have a wonderful rest of the week and uh, grateful for your time no problem at all you too Gary thanks for having me on bless you